0: Usually if the other departments are talking about product well, that means that product is doing a great job, but that's a great fast way to find out if product management is doing well in this company or not. Usually there's a lot of friction when there is no product strategy and when product decisions aren't being made in a great way. It's actually interesting. The better you get at product management as an organization, the better everybody works together and the more people like product. This is the Product Thinking Podcast. Here's your host, Melissa Perry. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dear Melissa. I hope your fall and your Q4 is going well. And today I've got three questions for you about program managers, switching jobs and what questions to ask, and how do we experiment with hardware options, maybe not just software. And I wanna remind you that, as always, you can write into to me or leave me a voicemail at dearmelissa.com, and I'm happy to answer any of your questions. They can be about product management or anything I've done in my career. Super happy to dive in and answer any of those. So this week, let's kick it off. First question. Hi, Melissa. I'm starting a new role as a technical program manager soon. From your experience, what does a great partnership between a product manager and a technical program manager look like? If my long-term career goal is to pivot back into product, how might I build up my product chops in this role in the short term without stepping on the toes of my product partner in crime? Thanks so much. All right. So you're a technical program manager, and they are incredibly important in especially larger portfolios or complicated products. So program management takes a lot of communication and project management skills which are important for product people as well. So you definitely need those, but you're primarily going to be working on more the project management side than the product management side, but that's okay. So typically what a program manager does is they work across product teams to help with things like road mapping, making sure that initiatives are going well. And this usually takes place when you've got really large initiatives that take product teams from different divisions or different business lines And you need to make sure that they're all aligned and working towards the same goal. So when I worked at a healthcare company, we had technical program managers who went between the different business lines. These business lines were run by different VPs of product. And we had to make sure that things were integrating, that we were communicating and passing the data from one side to the other. Because when we did implement things on one side of the business, it did flow through and affect the other side too. And that happens a lot in larger scale. Products and in larger scale companies and ones that have more complexity. So great place for a program manager to come in and help because it's hard to have one owner sometimes around this. In some initiatives, it's pretty clear that most of the work is going to fall on one team. And you might see that product manager step up and become the owner of it and do a lot of the project management with the other teams. But sometimes it's kind of like an equal thing where many of the teams are working on it. There's many moving parts. And that's really where you need somebody like a technical program manager to step in and help. So what you're doing here is you're making sure that teams are aligned and we're all working towards the same goals. So that means that when we are breaking down the strategy, breaking down the work, you're there to help facilitate it, make sure the teams are talking to each other, you're running the meetings to see how on track things are, make sure that they're bringing up any blockers or issues with each other. So you're kind of overseeing this whole thing which is a really key role. Now, if you want to start to kind of hone your product chops, I think what makes the difference between a good program manager and a great program manager is to add in some of those product chops, which means keeping your eye on the outcome. If you can help suggest ways in which you can structure things or do different parts of the roadmap, reorder things, scope things down, that's going to help add another voice to the team where you can kind of align people and see the whole instead of just seeing the moving parts. And that sometimes happens on these big initiatives. A lot of the teams will be focused on what they need to get done, what their team needs to do, what their business line is focused on. They might not see the whole. So if you really wanna hone your product chops, make sure you're looking at the whole. Make sure that you're looking at the end-to-end experience, how it's gonna affect every part of the business, how it's going to produce those outcomes, and bring that into every meeting that you're talking about. So if you're seeing any friction, between the teams or things that aren't going well, that's a good place to pull people back, say, hey, okay, wait, let's take a couple steps back. This is what we're trying to achieve. Here's these outcomes. Let's try to focus on this. And you can ask smart questions about it. So don't just get into being the person who's like, okay, what data are you delivering? And what are you delivering? And getting into like super project management mode. Make sure that you're also helping people see the bigger picture of what they're trying to accomplish. That I think is a really good, important part of being a program manager. And they're very important when you get into these super complex initiatives that you wanna go after. And a lot of companies are working on them now. So great place to be in. And I wouldn't worry about you know losing your product chops. I think as long as you keep your eye on that, you can tell the story about how you manage those large initiatives, brought people together. That's gonna really look good when you try to transition back into product. I think telling that story is going to be really important for your role. So good luck with that. All right, next question. Hi, Melissa. I'm currently planning on leaving my job mostly due to the fact that the company has no product strategy and product decisions are being made at an executive level rather than a PM level. Do you have any suggestions for questions I can ask when interviewing for a new role to make sure that I don't fall into the same situation in the future? Thanks. Thanks. Well, congrats on making the decision to leave. A lot of times that's the hardest part. So I really applaud you for being able to take a couple steps back, look at what the problems are and say, you know what, I got to make a leap because that's scary. And I suggest people leave jobs that are not great for them, but I know it's scary. So congratulations. I do think you're making the wise move. So let's make sure that the next company you go to doesn't have the same issues that you're experiencing now. Here's a bunch of things that I would do if I were in your position. One, ask about the vision and make sure it's not wishy-washy and it's actually a vision. You don't want to end up at a company that's like, be the best X, and nobody can explain what that means. That means that nobody has put any thought into the vision or the product strategy at all. So ask about the vision. Make sure people can tell you what the vision is. Make sure that you're talking to leadership and diving into those parts. So don't go to a place that's got a wishy-washy tagline vision that nobody can explain. Two. I'd interview with many levels of product people. So you want to talk to people who are on teams. I'm not sure exactly what level of product manager you are from your question, but let's explore them all. You want to talk to people on the product teams. You want to ask them about their work. You want to see that they're more strategic thinkers. You want to ask them about how they get strategy from the executives. You want to see if they can communicate why they're building the things that they're building. You want to meet with the middle layer and you want to see what their day-to-day looks like. You want to ask them about their biggest product challenges, what strategies they're working on. You want to see how they might discover new things that you go after, new initiatives that they're working for, and make sure that they're actually out there exploring new opportunities, doing the discovery work and helping to put that into practice. And then also you want to make sure that you meet with the top product person as well, and that they can explain what their portfolio strategy is, their product strategy. Ask them questions about it, like in the next three years, what do you hope to accomplish With the product? How will it change from where it is now? Ask them too, what is your biggest product challenge from a strategy standpoint? What are you working on now? What's the next move? Where are you going for? And they should be able to answer those questions for you. If they're saying things like, oh, prioritization is our biggest challenge, and they go into process details and how people aren't working well together or anything like that, that's telling you that there's probably some dysfunction going on in the team everybody's got a little dysfunction. That's okay. Like you, you don't have to worry if it's a sidebar about like, yeah, I guess we could work better together as designers and product managers. But if they won't talk about the strategy and all they do is complain about the process and the people, and they talk about scrum type stuff and agile things. And like, that's the only part of the conversation. That's where I would start to get worried. Good product people and good product teams are always talking about the value they're providing to their customers the outcomes are tangible things that you can look at and say, yep, that's an outcome. That's not just a velocity metric. And they're talking about big, hard problems to solve. That's what lights up product managers, right? Big, hard problems to solve. So if they're talking about all those really cool problems. And you're like, yeah, that sounds like fun. That's going to give you a good sign that somebody's thinking about the opportunities and the strategy that you need to go after. So I would definitely look for that in those conversations. Also, talk to the people who are not in product and get their perspective on what product management is like in the organization. Sometimes people like to really amp up what the product team is like when they're interviewing people. They're trying to sell you. Remember that. When you go into an interview, people are trying to sell you, so they might make it sound really rosy. Ask them about detractors, right? Like, does anybody not like the product team? Where's your biggest friction? And then ask to talk to people in those areas and see what their perspective is on the product team. They might slam the product team, and in which case you want to dive in and see if it's actually a reasonable assessment. Or they might be like, yeah, they're great, but we're just like working on some kinks. Usually if the other departments are talking about product well, that means that product is doing a great job. But that's a great fast way to find out if product management is doing well in this company or not. Usually, there's a lot of friction when there is no product strategy and when product decisions aren't being made in a great way. It's actually interesting. The better you get at product management as an organization, the better everybody works together. And the more people like product, the more sales is like, hey, product is amazing. And at the beginning, when people are moving from an organization that wasn't great at product to one that is good at product, there could be some friction. So you want to assess what stage they're at in their maturity of product and start to talk about, like, hey, what have you done to develop the product team in the past year? What kind of career opportunities are there here? What types of learning opportunities? Do you do trainings? Do you do any of these things that'll give you a good sense on if people are continuously learning and developing, which will tell you if it's a good organization to join. But if you find like people saying, hey, yeah, we just went through like a big transformation. We have a new leader. Some of our product teams have not been product managers for a while, but there might be some friction that you have to kind of delve into there, but it might not be awful. So just recognize that. If there is a little bit of friction, try to figure out if these are things that you're gonna work past because the team's being better. And when people have to change, everybody's not really happy with it. But you can see if you have a great leader, if you have somebody who really understands product management, those frictions usually are easy to overcome. So that's why I'm saying don't roll any of that out immediately, but really hone in, I think, and talk to the leader and figure out what kind of leader they are look up their experience, I think that's going to help you understand what this role is going to look like going forward. I always say when you're in an organization working for a great leader, you will usually get the experience that you're looking for. So you want to follow the people that you're going to work for into a new organization. So spend a lot of time digging into that. Did you know I have a course for product managers that you could take? It's called Product Institute. Over the past seven years, I've been working with individuals, teams, and companies to upscale their product chops through my fully online school. We have an ever growing list of courses to help you work through your current product dilemma. Visit productinstitute.com and learn to think like a great product manager. Use code THINKING to save $200 at checkout on our premier course, Product Management Foundations. All right, last question. Hi, Melissa. I work in the robotics industry and the company that I work for is B2B and the product that we sell is pretty expensive. It's in the low six figures for most of the robotic systems. And I was curious if you had any advice for how to do product discovery when you are working with pretty high-end high end kits, pretty high-end systems, when prototyping and iterating can be really expensive. If you have any advice, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you for this. I really love these types of questions. When you're working on massively big products that are more hardware-focused and not software-focused, I think you have to remember that we're not talking about the same toolbox as we are when we're doing software product management. I believe all the theory stays the same of reducing your risk, understanding the customer's problems, designing things in a way that are gonna be solving those problems in unique, valuable ways. All of those things still apply, but the tools that you pull out of your toolbox that's how I would like to describe it, are going to be different. So no, you're probably not going to be rapidly prototyping as much as we were in software. You can't just pull up some code and be like, I'm going to change this from green to blue. Like, that's not easy when you're working with hardware, and that's okay. So don't think you have to do exactly the same things as a software team. We're not in the agile scrum world anymore, usually. You might be using some agile scrum techniques, but like you're not going to be using everything that all the software people are. So that's okay. The one thing I think you need to remember when you're working on hardware products instead or physical products at all, right? Instead of software products is to keep that theory in mind. So here's the whole thing that we need to do as product managers, no matter where we work, we need to reduce the risk early that this product will fail. So if you're working in robotics, think about it this way let's look at the whole picture. What are our assumptions about this product that are uncertain that we need to go out and explore. Maybe we go into our hardware toolbox and instead of doing rapid prototyping or using Figma to draw things up, we're doing customer interviews. We're observing people using similar products in real life. We are mocking things up in a 3D CAD thing to show to somebody. I don't know. I'm not a hardware expert here, but I'm trying to give you some good ideas of how your toolbox might differ. But the questions are usually the same. And when you're working on a big product too, you might go more narrow on those risks or you should go more narrow on those risks. So maybe your big risk of the whole robot failing is, you know, mitigated. It's like, no, actually everybody loves this. We have good retention, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so where's the problem when it comes to this for customers? Maybe there are specific aspects about the product that you're worried about. Maybe there's a new feature about the product that you're worried about. Those types of things are where you really want to hone in and start to figure out how do I experiment in ways that I can experiment around these little areas. So don't think you need to use exactly the same thing that everybody else is using. Really study how people iterate on certain things in bigger products. There was a story going around that how Apple kind of came up with the iPod when they were trying to figure out how big it could be or how it fits in people's pockets, instead of building an iPod, they put like a little piece of metal that was the same weight as the iPod, right? In somebody's back pocket to test out, is this gonna be comfortable enough to carry around? Does it fit in pockets, right? Like you're not building the whole thing at that point. You're using this piece of metal to kind of answer the question of what size should it be? What's too heavy? What's too small? What's too big? What's the right fit for this? So that's where you have to start to think outside the box and figure out how do we not just focus on like building miniature versions of this in prototypes or trying to rapidly iterate on it. It's more about really dissecting what are your critical questions and then coming up with unique and interesting ways to find out the answers to that before you commit to building the whole thing. So just keep that in mind. It's never going to be exactly the same as software and that's totally fine. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Dear Melissa. And again, if you have any questions for me, leave me a voicemail at dearmelissa.com. Next Wednesday, we will be back with another episode of the Product Thinking Podcast. So if you do enjoy this content, please do me a favor and hit that subscribe button so that you never miss out on an episode. And I'll see you next week.